In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. We are deep into what the culture more and more refers to as the holiday season. And for some, I feel sorry for them, it began back at Halloween or even before. For them, it's a marathon. For us, it's a sprint. The holiday season began for me the Monday before Thanksgiving. I went to Costco that day. (laughs) I was going to buy groceries for Lou and I to prepare a meal for the deanery clergy who were meeting on Tuesday. I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) The parking lot was more dangerous than it usually is. And there were people everywhere. I think I was the only one not buying a turkey. And I was certainly the only one who didn't have a basket full of stuff for Thanksgiving Day. But what really began my holiday season was being bumped in the hind end by a woman who didn't think I was moving fast enough. (laughs) I'm sure that she had a healthy skepticism about men shopping. And because of that, she was just certain that I wasn't going to be very efficient about any of this. So that's how my holiday season began. (laughs) But I'm happy to say that I don't depend a lot on Winterfest for lifting my spirits or on that holiday season to change my life. But rather, I think you and I have a season that really does enrich our lives, and we call that Advent. One of the things that I think Advent brings to our awareness is the reality that we live in in in-between times. Now, the greatest of those, perhaps, is that in-between time from the time of the resurrection until the promised return of Christ and the renewal, not just of our lives or our world, but the renewal of all of creation, the entire cosmos. So we live in that in-between time of waiting. And one of the things that we learn as we have this smaller in-between time that goes from the first Sunday of Advent to Christmas is that we need to wait with some intention and, and to be quiet, to be still somewhere in our lives, to reflect on our lives and our relationship with God. But there are many in-between times that we experience in our lives. There's that in-between time that comes from having taken the medical tests and waiting for the results. The in-between time of applying for a job and waiting to find out if you get it or not. That time that is between the diagnosis and the final reality of cure. We have to deal with many in-between times in our lives. And indeed, that is what life is made up of. Many in-between times. But we are people of faith. And because of that, we live in those times knowing that God is with us in the midst of that. And that God will sustain us through it. And I believe that Advent is a way for us to give focus to that way of living in between. There are two major feast days of the Christian year, Christmas and Easter. And each of them has a special time of preparation. Lent before Easter is very clearly a penitential season. It's a time when we often take on a special discipline of prayer and study. It's a time of deep reflection about our relationship with God and perhaps denying ourselves of something. The season of Advent, however, in preparation for Christmas, 
is somewhat different and is reflected now even in our vestments. You know, for years we had those, uh, we used the same vestments at Advent that we used in Lent, those purple vestments. But now we use serum blue as a reminder that, yes, there is a penitential aspect of this season, but there is something more. We can also be joyful in this season, which often we don't find time for in Lent. I think in the gospel that we have today, we get a glimpse of how we might see the penitential aspect of this season. The gospel uh, gives us this image of John the Baptist and what a strange character he must have been, not just to us, but to people of his own time. He may, in fact, have been a member of the Essenes, which was that community, uh, that monastic community that lived around the Dead Sea and wrote what we know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were an unusual group. They they were very ascetic. They were not at all uh, integrated with the rest of, uh, of life in Israel. They were very different sort of people. And John the Baptist certainly must have struck people that way as well. Going out and living in the wilderness, uh, living off the land, wearing very strange clothing, and often eating locusts and honey. John the Baptist was an unusual person, but his message was even more unusual. He was inviting faithful Jews to come out from Jerusalem and from their communities, come to the Jordan River and go through a purification rite that was often used to bring Gentiles into the Jewish community, Gentile converts to become Jews. Now, these were faithful Jews. But he was inviting them to come out and go through a cleansing and to repent of their sins, to turn, to have a change in their life. And in a sense, it seems to me what he was saying was all that you do at the temple is one thing, the, all of the ritual and the prayers that are there for the atonement of sin. But what I'm asking you to do is to come into the wilderness and to look at yourself honestly and change your life. Now, the scripture says that Pharisees and Sadducees had come out as well. And we have a slight problem here with the new revised standard version translation, because there's a little Greek word that depending on how you translate it, you get two different uh, meanings entirely. The, the not so usual translation that the NRSV translators use results in us hearing that the Sadducees and the Pharisees came to be baptized. But a more usual and perhaps better translation that's used by the New International Version uh, indicates that they came out against his baptism. And in fact, I think that makes more sense because John the Baptist was experiencing the kind of resistance from the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus experienced after him. For what John was doing was, in a sense, a threat to the temple. It was a threat to their understanding, that is the Pharisees and Sadducees' understanding of how to practice the faith. John was calling people to come out into the wilderness to find redemption, to find new life. Now, when we read this section of Matthew, I think it's very easy for us to get caught up in some of the uh, skeletons that we have in the back of our head about God's judgment and about God's wrath. The Reverend Dr. Alice M. McKenzie is professor of homiletics at Perkins School of Theology. And she wrote about her own sense of judgment and fear of punishment this way. 
I was driving my son to school one morning and a police car was behind me. It wasn't following me. It was just driving along behind me. Still, I pulled over. I figured it was only a matter of time until I committed some traffic violation. So I, I just pulled over to get it over with. Then, of course, rather than passing me, he pulled over behind me. And that led to a completely ridiculous conversation. And she ends this by saying he should have given me a ticket for public paranoia. (laughs) Well, we carry around, I think, a lot of religious paranoia about the character of God. The idea that God is sort of this uh, celestial heavenly cop that follows us waiting for us to slip up and then give us a ticket. I have a, uh, a friend who is a mentor of mine, actually, and I just, uh, it's been a long time since I've been in contact with him, and I, I was in contact with him just this past week as a result of Facebook, so I can say there's actually something good about Facebook. <laughs> Larry Handwerk was a rector of uh, St. Luke's in Evanston, and I remember one Lenten season, he was reading uh, the book that uh, talks about the parable of the prodigal son that Henry Nouwen wrote and some of us have studied. And after completing that, Larry said to me that he came to the conclusion that God's judgment can be seen in the, at the end of that parable where the father is standing at the road and he sees his son running toward, toward him on that road toward home. And the father runs to the son with tears in his eyes, embraces him and welcomes him home. He said, that is God's judgment. God's judgment is welcoming us home. I believe that so often we carry around this baggage of a wrathful God that we lose sight of the fact that one of the most important characteristics of God is God's mercy. God's mercy. Repentance is coming home. And sometimes we have to go into the wilderness And be alone, be by ourselves, and recall what is really important to us. And what is it in my life that I'm holding on to that God is asking me to let go of? What is it in my life that I need to turn from and turn to another direction? What is it about my life that needs redirection, that needs the redemption of God, that needs to be transformed by God? Yes, we live in in in-between times, and there are times of tension, and there are times that can be difficult, but we're people of faith, and we know that we have a God who is a loving God who pours grace out upon us day after day after day. But we also need to remember that this is a merciful God, and so this Advent season, I pray that you and I may have a little time in the wilderness to look at ourselves and to see what it is we need to turn over to God and then to come home, come home to the manger, to that gift of God's child, Jesus. Come home to the reality that God loves us and is merciful to us. Amen.